Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. Yeah, I said well too. <laughs> but his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord and that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother and came to the, vineyard, the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him and the spirit of the Lord came up mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat though he had nothing in his hand but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done then he went down and talked with the woman and she pleased Samson well after some time when he returned to get her he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion and behold a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hand and went along eating. When he came to his father, he gave some to them, and they also ate. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of a lion. I'd like to speak for a little while from the thought, where do you get your honey from? If you could ask the person next to you, where do you get your honey from? Where do you get... Where do, you, where do you get your honey from? Where, where are you getting it from? Spirit of the living God, fall fresh in this place. Open our eyes and our, and our ears and our hearts to what it is you need us to get this morning, Father. Replace our lies with your truth and get the glory out of our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Where do you get your honey from? Anybody go on a, anybody driven cross country before? Cross country, a couple times, a couple hands, lifted. Anybody grow, drive cross country like in the 70s and the 80s at all where you didn't, yeah, road trips, things like that. And, and this is a time where the internet was not popping or available for us. So we had to use what was called a map, like a real map, like something you pull out, unfold and everything. I'm so grateful to God that I did not uh, have to use a map or never had to use a map because I would have been very, very lost. I'm one of them paint by numbers, like make it as easy as possible. And I thank God for the iPhone and, and the Android and all those things, the navigation apps. Anybody use a navigation app pretty daily? Yeah, I read an article that said those are really harming us because we don't know how to get anywhere without them. I said you're very, 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 very correct about that. I don't even remember most phone numbers anymore. You just go in and just look for the name, right? Be in real trouble if you ever got into trouble. I know like three numbers. My phone number from when I was like seven, that doesn't help. <laughs> I know my wife's number because it's one digit off than mine, and I think my mom's work number. That's about it. So hopefully my mom or my wife pick up if I ever get caught into something. And the church number, 619-266-2626. Amen. That one's easy. 
but I thank God for navigation apps. I went on a, uh, went to a leadership conference and um, I had the pleasure of riding along or driving rather, uh, Minister Angie and Jessica, because I was the, the driver. And I told them if I was driving, they need to navigate. So they pull out their phones and I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna be on Google Maps, no problem. No, this lady pulls up Waves. Anybody ever used Waves before? Who uses Waves? Okay, Waves is for antsy people, people that don't like being in traffic. Waze, is that it? Yeah, Waze, not Waves. I used to have Waves, now we're going Waze. Anyhow, so this is for people that, that, that get antsy and track it. Why do I say this? Because when she pulled it up, we're driving straight. I'm thinking, okay, we're cool. It tells us to get off on the next exit, make a left, go down two miles, make a left, then go down six miles, make a right, then make a left. And I said, where are we going? I'm ended up in somebody's backyard because I didn't know what was happening here. I said, what route did you pick? The route with all of the turns? I didn't know what was happening, and I was just trying to figure out why we were going all over the place. So now I'm irritated because I'm driving all over the place. I don't normally drive. I work from home, so I only have to drive like maybe three times a week. So I'm already kind of just antsy as it is, and I'm like, why are we turning left and going right? Whose backyard is this? Whose cat did I just hit? Where are we going? A whole lot of stuff is happening. And I, I wanted to say, is there an easier way to get there? Because I feel like you picked the hardest way possible. And the reality is that when you look at the navigation map, depending on where you're going, it gives you options on how to get there. And many of us in life have options too. And God gives you options as it relates to your purpose and your destiny. He has options. He gives you options on how you can get there. You can either do it the hard way or you can do it the easier way. Now, the hard way typically is our way. Our way is normally the hardest way to get something done. We're going to do it our way. Most of the times we make bad decisions. We do it our way. You know, we feel like life is like Burger King. You can have it your way. We decide who we marry. We decide what job we do. We decide all of these different things. And God is saying, that's great. I've given you the ability to make decisions. But there is an easier way. I didn't say it was the easiest way. I just said there was an easier way. And Samson, when we look at his story, his life, there are many decisions that he has made that means that he was doing things a harder way. Now, Samson was a judge. If you go through and look at the judges, during this time, the children of Israel have come into the promised land. And before they got in the promised land, they were given some, some laws and some rules and some regulations as when they got in there. They go in there, and when they get there, the Bible says that they were going to have barnyards that they did not build, houses they did not build. They have milk and honey all over the place, which means that somebody had to build the barn, somebody had to build the houses. That means that somebody else is there, and somebody has their stuff because God said it was for them. So they have to go in there, and they have to fight. He tells them before they get in there in Deuteronomy, he says, look, when you get there, do not give your sons or your daughters, don't let them marry the people that live there, okay? Because if they marry them, it is going to change them. They are going to begin to love their gods and follow their rules and traditions. Anybody ever been there before where you didn't like HGTV and you've been married long enough where now you watch DYI Channel 2? <laughs> it just starts to slowly happen where the person you're with, you guys start to marry each other. You start to like their likes and dislike some of their dislikes. Well, it was this way and God knew this. So he said, look, when you go there, do not marry them. They have to be out of the place. You've got to kill them. You've got to drive them out. Well, Samson shows up on the scene as a judge. Now, typically during this time, they had the same life cycle that we have. Okay, It's this cycle that we do. It was the same cycle that they had. If you read Psalms 106, it really talks about this, how they would be reconciled to God. They were repentant to God. They were reconciled to him. And then they fall into rebellion. So they go into rebellion. They repent. 
they get reconciled, rebellion again, repent, reconcile. Some like us, anybody ever started a diet before? Been on a diet and it was like, man, I'm doing really, really, really good and somebody has a birthday. And so you show up at the birthday party on Friday night, feeling good. Everybody say, hey man, you're looking good. Where'd you go? You're losing all kinds of weight. You're looking good. And you see the cake. And, and you, you, because you used to be a fat kid at heart, or you still are a fat kid at heart, you see the cake and it's like, just one bite. All right, one more bite. All right, seven pieces. And, and then you say to yourself, all right, I'm gonna get back on the diet, not the next day, Monday. <laughs> Something about when Monday comes. I wish they would've turned that into a song. Cause it seems like everything starts over on Monday. So, so you, you kind of get back into, the, into your groove again. You, you know, you've had, you were mad all week and like, how did I do that? You're going to the scale and you're like, oh my God, I didn't really gain anything, but it's probably gonna show up the next day. And, and Monday shows up, so you're good again. You're starting fresh. You're going good and, and things are going good for a couple of weeks and then there's a potluck at work and somebody brings your favorite donuts. You've been living really good the last couple of weeks. You hadn't had a donut and you walk by and it was like, Pookie just keeps calling me, right? Some of y'all too young to remember that. Some of y'all too saved to remember that. It, it, keeps, it keeps calling me. It keeps calling me. The donut is calling you. You see donuts everywhere. So you have the donut on Wednesday. And you're like, oh, all right, well, I fell off. I'll get back to it on Monday. Got this same cycle happening in your life. And the same thing happened with the children of Israel. They had this cycle where God would deliver them and they'll be doing right for a little while and then slowly but surely they would fall off track and then they would get delivered into the hand of the enemy because God said, look, if you're going to serve me, I got to get you right real quick. So he'd give the, the enemy the ability to kind of take and overtake them and they'd be oppressed for a little while and then they would cry out and because he's a good, good father and doesn't want anything bad to happen to his children, he'd raise up a judge and the judge would be the military general that would help them rebel and then they'd get free again. And Samson ends up being one of these. He has a miraculous... Uh, origin story because in chapter 13 of Judges you see that his, his mother is barren and an angel of the Lord shows up and says you're going to have a son and he is going to be a, a Nazarite from birth and he is going to help begin the process of delivering the children from Israel. That is important that you remember that, that he is going to help begin the process. He is not going to deliver them, he's going to help start the match. He's going to help get the thing started in, in, in the sense of getting them delivered from the hands of the Philistines. So He's born, he's supposed to be a Nazarite from birth. Now, during this time, it is so serious that as a Nazarite from birth, the angel says that you're going to be a Nazarite while you carry him because he's set apart. And while he's inside of you, you're going to be set apart. A Nazarite in Numbers chapter 6, it talks about this vow that people would take. And they normally would take it for about 30 days and 30-day increments. As a Nazarite, you could not cut your hair. You could not touch a dead person and you could not eat anything from the vine. That means no wine, no cheese, eggs, and Welch's grape, none of that. None of that stuff was happening, nothing. You could, if your mother died, if your father died while you were in the middle of this vow, you could not go and bury them because it was so serious to God. God was saying, look, when you take this vow, you are separated, you are pulled apart, you are holy to me. And during this time, these are the stipulations. So Samson's life is supposed to be 
kind of separated from everyone else. He is given to God in a sense, so he cannot touch a dead body. He is not supposed to eat any grapes or drink any wine, and he cannot cut his hair. It's real important not to remember that he's not supposed to eat grapes. He's not supposed to ingest anything that is from the vine. He's not supposed to touch dead bodies, and he's not supposed to cut his hair. In chapter 14, we see that he is looking out at the people of Philistine and Timnah. Now, Timnah is one of the towns in Philistine that was one of their strongholds, and he's there, and he sees a woman that he wants to talk with. He's on her Instagram, and he is lurking all over the place, stalking her privately, liking, not liking the pictures, but just looking at them. Because if you like the pictures, then she sees that it was you. So he's just there looking, and he goes back and he tells his parents, he says, hey, I want you to go get her to be my wife. Now, the parents have a problem with this because they're not supposed to intermarry. So they're saying, why would you want her? Isn't there somebody over here that you can get with? You, you're, you're, you're a judge. You're supposed to help deliver us, and you want to marry the enemy? That doesn't make any sense. As a matter of fact, why are you down there looking at the enemy? And he says something. He says, she pleases me. The original translation says that she's right in my sight. Now, the prevailing theme through the book of Judges is that the people did what was right in their sight. They did what was right in their sight. So if they wanted it, they went and had it, whether God said it was okay or not, because in my sight, it was right. Anybody ever heard somebody say, man, live your truth? I've heard that saying before. Here's the problem with that saying. When your truth goes against the truth, that's the issue. You can't live your truth if it is contrary to the truth. So, so Samson says, I want her, go get her for me. So they go down to Timnah, and they are walking, and it picks up our, our text today. He is walking in a vineyard. There is a problem there for me, red flag, because you're a Nazarite. So if you're a Nazarite, why are you going the hard way to Timnah? Why are you walking by the vineyard? Because it doesn't say his parents went to the vineyard. It says he went to the vineyard. And when he gets there, a young lion shows up and he kills the lion. It says that the spirit of the Lord gets on him mightily and he rips the lion apart. It was a young lion. This was no old lion. This is a young, strong lion. He kills the lion, doesn't tell his parents, goes on, meets the woman and her, her family, and they set up the arrangement for the marriage. Now he's on his way back sometime later. Now here's the thing that in this location, it is hot, hot, humid, and there is a dead lion that was not buried, a dead lion by the vineyard, and Samson says, I'm going back by the vineyard to see the lion. Now, for me, there's a struggle there, because why am I walking back to see something dead? I don't want to see nothing dead. I don't like a bunch of blood or anything. Samson goes back to the place where he got victory and sees honey in the dead lion. Now, I watch a lot of CSI. I've never seen any bees show up. They never talk about bees. They always talk about flies and all kinds of beetles. But I've never seen them talking about any kind of bees showing up inside of a dead carcass. A matter of fact, not only were the bees in there, but there was honey there. Now, and Samson looks at it and sticks his hand in. I don't know who Samson's parents are, but they weren't my parents because when I used to go in a store, look but don't touch. If you're in some place you're not supposed to be, I need there to look like you weren't there. So put your hands in your pocket and just look. Samson, however, puts his hand in, scoops out some honey, starts eating it, and then walks back and gives it to his parents. 
Now, if you know anything about their laws, they're not really, they're, period, really not supposed to touch anything dead, let alone touch a lion because a lion was considered unclean. So the lion is unclean, not just for Samson, but for his parents. He's giving them honey out of a lion and doesn't tell them. Very interesting that when we sin, we got to pull somebody else in with us. Not very frequently that you sin by yourself, is it? It's not no fun. Nope, not going to do that one. <laughs> My filters have gotten better. Amen. <laughs> but you don't sin by yourself. Sin is never fun by yourself. You call up one or two friends. Hey, this is happening tonight. Let's do it. No, Samson involves them in being defiled. And he gives them the honey. Now, honey in the Bible represents um, pleasure. It represents luxury. It represents delight. When you marry it with, with honey, it's not just milk. When you hear the word milk and honey, I'm giving you milk because that you need that for your daily thing, but I'm also going to give you the desires of your heart also, as long as they are in line with me. Here is the problem, that Samson was led by his desires and not by the Spirit. Now, he, he has this vow to the Lord that he's set apart, so he's not supposed to even be near the wine. He's not supposed to be near this lion. He's not supposed to be digging into a dead lion. And he goes and he does all of this on his way to marry a Philistine girl. He shows up at the house. They have this wedding party for about seven days. It says that they bought 30 men. So Samson didn't even know these guys. And they're sitting around hanging out, drinking, doing all what they're doing because it's a wedding party. They're having fun. And Samson comes up with this riddle and tells the 30 guys, he said, hey, I'll make you a bet. If you can give me the answer to this riddle, I'll go ahead and give you 30 garments of clothing. 30 garments of clothing. The men are like, yeah, bet, let's do it. So it goes about three days. They can't get the answer. The men go back to Samson's fiance because they're not necessarily married yet. And they say, look, if you don't give us the answer, we're going to burn you your dad and this house down. She goes crazy and says, Samson, you got to tell me the answer because they, I, I just really need to know. How are you going to give them a riddle and not tell me we're supposed to be together? We're married. I need to know what's going on in your life. I need your password to your phone. Let me have it because we're married. We're together. We're together. And Samson doesn't realize that it is a trick because what is going to happen is she tells the men the answer. The men show up. Samson's there. Samson's like, hey, what's the answer? The men give it to him, and Samson is furious. He gets so mad, he says this. The Bible says it. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. He said, had you not plowed with my heifer, make, you're looking at me crazy. I didn't want to tell you the verse because I want you to read it when you get home. Judges 14, he said, had you not plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't got the answer. So he goes to another town where there's Philistines, he kills 30 men, grabs their clothes, brings them back, and gives them to the men to pay his debt. There's a problem here, because why did you kill these 30 men and give me somebody else's clothes with blood on them? Nobody looked at their Bible like that? I'm tripping. Like, you're not going to give me a blood stain. Like, he just wanted to pay the debt. The men get upset. They go back. They end up killing the woman later. But before that happened, Samson is upset. He leaves. He comes back. He says, look, I didn't consummate the marriage with my wife. He comes back. The girl's dad says, oh, I thought you were mad at her, so I gave her to your best man. Samson said, what best man? I don't know this guy. He said, well, the father says, well, her younger sister looks even better than her, and Samson is furious, and he starts killing people again. Samson's got an anger problem, right? He'd be signed up for anger management immediately. 
He's going crazy. So he kills the people. He runs. He hides in this rock, and he's there. And later, 3,000 men show up. They're from the tribe of Judah. They're his people. They say, hey, Samson, the Philistines are here. We got to take you in. And Samson's like, nah. Well, here's the thing. Samson tells him, if you don't kill me, I'll go with you. So he said, no, we're not going to kill you. We just got to hand you over because the Philistines, they're, they're here, and they want you. He goes with them. 3,000 men shows up. The Philistines are happy. They see him coming. And somehow, Samson gets free. He grabs the jawbone of a donkey, and he kills 1,000 men. Another problem with this, why does he have the jawbone of a donkey if he's a Nazarite? Because if I'm a Nazarite, I'm not supposed to touch dead things, right? But I'm using this jawbone to kill all of these people. So he kills all of these people. They all die. The spirit comes on them. And this is the only, this is one of the, the, the first time you hear Samson actually pray. He kills all the people and he's tired. And he tells the Lord, I'm tired. I need something to drink. And a rock opens up and water comes out of the rock. Now, if I'm Samson, I'm feeling like I have this Nazarite vow. I'm doing life. And even though I'm kind of breaking the rules a little bit or bending the rules a little bit, I still see your blessings showing up in my life. And like many of us, we could be on the edge or right in the middle of doing something that we know defiles us. But because we don't really experience any consequence, we keep on going. And then we go back to doing it again because you didn't hurt me the last time I did it. So maybe it's okay for, maybe it's a gray area in the Bible. So I do it again, knowing good and well that it's not okay for me to do. So we keep doing it over and over again. And Samson has this cycle in his life where he sees something that he wants and he just goes and does it. Whether it hurts people, it hurts himself, defiles his vow with the Lord or not, he does it anyway because in his sight, it's okay. In his sight, it pleases me. In his sight, I want to do it, so I'm just going to make it happen. And many of us do the same thing that because we like it, it feels good right now, I'm just going to do it. And we, we, we settle for temporary pleasure because of lack of discipline. The reality is, is that when we're driven by desires, we cannot be led by the Spirit. It is impossible because your desires will always pull you away from the Spirit. The reality is, is that many of us feed the thing we want to kill and starve the thing we want to live. Often. The thing that you really, really want to, to grow in your life, you spend, we really don't spend a lot of time and attention on it. But the thing we don't want to happen, we spend all of our money, our time, our resources on the thing we don't want to happen. And we wonder why we're not seeing anything that looks remotely close to the, the life that God promised me. Because I keep doing the same thing over and over again, over and over again. I've got this cycle over and over again where I repent, I'm reconciled, and then I rebel. I repent, I reconcile, and then I rebel over and over again. This same thing, cycle happening in your life. And Samson is, is a mirror of this, where eventually the Spirit of the Lord comes on him, and then he, he gets out of the jam. You know, he prays the prayer we pray. Lord, if you get me out of this this time, I promise not to let this happen again. Lord, if you, this, this, this is the last time, Lord. I know I said last time was the last time, but this is the last time. If you get me out of this, I promise I won't be back at it again. Samson is living a life like this. You don't see him repent, but you see his mindset be like, I can do what I want to do. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm Samson. I'm strong 
people love me. Here's the crazy thing. You don't hear a lot in his narrative about him spending time with his own people. He is always with the Philistines. Amazing. These are the people he's supposed to be driving out that he now hangs out with. Reminds me of the church sometimes. Because we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. Yet we do everything to fit in so we don't stand out. Because I don't want anybody to call me peculiar or weird. The reality is that your strength is in you standing out. But we want to be so well-liked. So Samson hangs out with the Philistines over and over again, and he's there. And then he eventually gets to a place where he goes in, hangs out with a prostitute for a little while. The men in the city hear that Samson is with this prostitute. They're going to get him in the morning. Samson knows this, so Samson takes the gates off of the city, puts them up on a hill. Now, Samson is not only really strong, but he's funny too. Because he said, oh, you're you going to get me? I'm about to tear all of your stuff up takes these gates, puts them on a hill, and just kind of looks as the men wake up in the morning. Destroys their city, basically, because now other people have access to go in and out. Samson is so crazy that eventually he meets this woman named Delilah. Everybody's heard about this story, right? Delilah and Samson. Samson meets her. The very first thing you actually hear her say in Scripture is her asking, where do you get your power from? That is a problem for me, should be a problem for you men, women, if they ask you, how do you do what you do? And they don't really want to know about you. I want to know how you do what you do. I don't want to know about you. So Samson is, I don't know, he's smart. I don't, Samson's so smart, he's stupid. He, he gives her, he says, well, if you bind me up with these bows, um, I won't be able to get out. So she binds him up with these bows, and then he, these Philistines come in. She says, the Philistines are here. He jumps up, breaks them off, kills all the people. He tells her, hey, you try to trick me. Quit playing, girl. <laughs> she asks him again, how do you get your, how do you, where do you get your strength? Where's the source of your strength? He says again, oh, you know, you tie me up this way. You know, I won't be able to get out. I'll be like everybody else. And she ties him up. There's a problem there. He breaks out, kills all the people, and then again, he tells her, girl, you playing. <laughs> now, I got a problem with this because, Samson, you're supposed to be killing the Philistines, and even though you're kind of doing it, you're not doing it at the level you're supposed to because nowhere in the narrative do you ever hear about Samson going into battle with his people to help drive out the Philistines. You only hear Samson fighting the Philistines to either protect himself or get revenge. At no point is he concerned about his assignment. He's always concerned about himself. And because he's concerned about himself, he neglects the assignment, which is why he was able to kind of discard the vow, because I'm worried more about me than what God wants for me. And many of us in the room have struggled with that because what I want always looks better to me when the reality is that he knows what you have need of before you ask, but we never ask him because we feel like we know. And I struggle with that personally because I was like, God, I know what you called me to do, but I keep trying to do it my way. I keep trying to do it my way. So the playlist in my mind is Frank Sinatra. I'm doing it my way. I keep doing it my way. I keep doing it my way, my way. The problem with my way is my way always ends up in destruction. My way is like ways. I'm turning left here. I'm going six miles. I'm turning right. And I'm always moving. I'm never really settled in what God needs me to do because I keep kind of doing it the hard way. It's the hard way that causes the most frustration in your life. 
It is the hard way that causes the most lack in your life. It is the hard way. And Samson is doing it the hard way. The reason why we know it's the hard way is because we, we read it in, in chapter 14. It says that Samson likes this woman in Timnah, and the Lord is the one that caused him to have the desire because he wanted to fight with the Philistines. Now, I often wonder, well, why didn't he just make Samson raise up an army and go and fight? Problem was, he knew Samson, just like he knows you and me. And he knows what we like. He knows what the itch is in our life. And the reality, what he is trying to see is, are you willing to follow me more than the itch? I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a chair before getting your hair done or anything like that, but sometimes when I'm getting my hair cut, I get an itch right on my nose. And this is right when they're doing the most important part of my haircut, it's the edge up. My hairline is trying to slowly retreat to the back. The front is trying to switch with the back somehow. And so I'm always real kind of still. And during this time, if men you just blink at me, you get that little itch right here while you're getting a haircut and you don't want to move because you don't want them to push it back any further or mess up. You just, you're just kind of staying straight. You're just kind of not moving because, because this is important to you. The reality is, is God is trying to see that if I take you down a path that might not be the best path, am I more important to you than what you see along the path? Samson looking at the honey would have been okay. But Samson reaching in and pulling the honey out there becomes the problem because he was getting his delight from something that was dead. And my question to you this morning is, are you getting your from something that is dead? Are you seeking luxury in dead things? Are you seeking uh, uh, affirmation from things that have no life? You know, you, everybody's old enough to have been in a relationship or two. And, 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 and men, sometimes we do this. I'm, I'm, I'm just talking to us. I don't know what women do. But sometimes you send out in a couple of months, how you doing? When you knew she was bad for you, the last time you were with her. And the time before that when you were with her. And you keep going back to dead things for pleasure because dead things make you comfortable. Very interesting that Samson was comfortable around going back to see the dead carcass of the lion. God gave him victory over it. And that's great. God gave him the victory. You should celebrate your victories. But going back, living back there again and again and again will cause you to live back there and not where he wants you to be. Samson's living his life. He eventually tells Delilah, source of my strength is in my hair. Crazy to me. Why did he tell her? Because she got in his feelings. She said, if you love me, tell me some people in the room don't look at me if you use the line before but if you love me you'll tell me if you love me you'll do what this if you love me you'll do that and Samson who was tricked two times before by the same woman tells her she lays down or he lays down in her lap some men come in and they cut his hair I struggled with this because I didn't understand for somebody who's never had their hair cut how they wouldn't notice that there was someone messing with their hair. Doesn't say he flinched or anything. How someone who's never had their hair cut wouldn't be able to feel that something was pulling. Don't think about his hair being like all nice and flowy. This, this man, they, they believe Samson was about 20, 30 years old. So th this is a long time. His hair is locked up. 
it's locked up, seven locks, and, and you wouldn't feel somebody pulling something off. He's, he's so comfortable in chaos. He's so comfortable in darkness. He's so comfortable there that he just doesn't even mind that something is happening to me that shouldn't be happening. And he wakes up. She yells and says, the Philistines are here. And he jumps up. He jumps up after having all this hair on his head with nothing on his head and says, I'll go out and kill him like I did the last time. Here's the problem this time is that the Lord had departed from him. God, how do you depart from me when my hair is cut, but you didn't depart from me when I was doing all kinds of other stuff? Because we can't tell when grace and mercy have run out. We can't tell when grace has kind of ran its course and grace has jumped in and mercy has ran its course. We can't tell the difference. And because he can't tell the difference, he jumps up and says, I'm going to go out and fight them. And he goes out to try to fight them and gets a huge surprise. He loses. They pluck his eyes out. They, lock, they, they knock his eyes out. Now, what is crazy is that though Samson had, had sight, he had no vision. And what they end up doing was they took his sight to match what was happening in his spiritual life. Because he said in, the very, in chapter 14, he says, she is right in my sight. He kept doing things because in my sight, because what I wanted. And God says, oh, okay, I'm a, I got a trick for you. Not only is his name Samson, Samson means sunny, but he kept going to places in darkness. So I'm gonna help you just stay in darkness, sir. You're not even gonna be able to see it this time. I'm just gonna help you stay in darkness. He takes his sight and now he becomes a slave and he goes, the he goes out for a while and he's a slave and he's grinding out grain no eyes his hair is gone and he's grinding out grain this is the deliverer and he's grinding out grain he's just sitting there grinding out grain grinding out grain going in circles just like he was doing in his personal life going in circles and cycles just like you and I going in cycles over and over again doing the same thing not having the productivity that God expected from you doing the same thing living a life of mediocrity versus being exceptional because we cannot control our desires and he's doing it over and over again and eventually he gets to a place where he's in this big place and they they have this the, the philistines are getting ready to have this big celebration and in this celebration they're going to go ahead and be excited about the god that they serve and they said somebody go get samson so samson is there he's grinding out He's grinding out this grain, and then he shows up, and they pull him up, and they put him between these two beams. And they're there just laughing at him, going crazy, just laughing at this man who was the guy who was killing all kinds of people. He was supposed to be the deliverer, and everybody has seen him in his worst place. Have you ever been there where people have seen you in your worst place? Shame has shown up, and it felt like you were not going to get back you might be there now where it feels like this is the worst day of my life Samson is at this place and he's between these pillars and this is the second time you hear him pray to God he says Lord just give me enough strength to revenge myself now the problem with this for me was he said give me enough strength to revenge myself Because as amazing as Samson was, as gifted as he was, he kept going back to, it's about me. It's about me. It's about me. But I told you there was a hard way and an easier way. The Lord wanted to fight with the Philistines. 
He wanted to drive the people out. Samson was going to be the match that was going to start the wildfire that was going to cause the children of Israel to eventually get free. And his purpose could have came out completely different had he wanted it to be. But he wanted to do it the hard way. The redemption story for us is, is that the moment his hair was cut off, when the men cut his hair off and he jumped up and, and he fell into captivity, as soon as you cut your hair, it starts growing again, doesn't it? You know, I'll go to the barbershop, I get my hair cut on a certain day to make sure my edge up is just right, you know, when I see people. Because if you get it too early, it starts to grow back in. And because my hairline keeps trying to, you know, retreat on me, you know, they have to do some creative things to make everything line up. So they, they pull a little bit more back here, and, and, and so it grow back in a little bit sooner. In the same way, when Samson's hair was cut off, his, his vow to the Lord was becoming inactive at a point because it felt like he was pulled apart when the reality was that his redemption was happening. See, he thought he was being paid for all of the stuff he was doing. God was just trying to get him back to him. So the hair comes off, but the reality was his hair was growing back. If you read in chapter 17, I think it's verse 22, and it says, and Samson's hair began to grow back. His hair began to grow back. He started to get to a place again where he was kind of set apart again to finish the assignment. And the reality is, is that God is going to have you finish the assignment. And you can either participate in the assignment getting done or you can be drug alone, but the assignment is going to get done. He said, look, these people have got to die. So he pushes the pillars apart and it comes down and all of the people in there end up dying along with Samson. Here's the problem. Samson didn't have to die there. And you and I don't have to die in what we're in. If we take the easier way. But that means that I have to discipline myself in a way. I have to live the life that God has for me. And that means that I can't just do any and everything like everybody else because I don't belong to any and everybody else. I don't know, there's some parents in the room or you've heard your parents say this. I know your friends do that at their house, but we don't do that in my house. And the reality is that because you belong to the Lord, there's stuff in our house that is permissible and there's things that are not permissible. And because you say that you're a child of the Lord, you cannot do every and anything because you belong to him. And because you belong to him, this means that you can't have and do everything you want to do. But I told you before that the Bible says that when they came into the promised land, he said it was milk and honey there. That means that your daily needs would be taken care of and the desires of your heart. Samson's desires weren't of his heart, they were of his flesh. See, the thing is that once you come into Christ, there begins a heart transplant, which means that your heart should end up changing and start bending towards God's will and not your will. But the only way to strengthen that muscle, you have to be in his word to know what his desire and his will is for your life. But if you keep feeding the flesh, if you keep going after the things of the flesh, you'll never really know what the spirit needs because you don't spend a lot of time with the spirit, except when we're in trouble. God, get me out of this. Ma'am, sir, today is the day that if you've been going through cycles, that you break the cycle today. You don't have to live the life that you've been living. You can break the cycle today. You don't have to go back to the thing you were going to. You don't have to get your delight in bad things. You don't have to do what everybody else does. Today is the day that you change your life and let Sunday be Monday. I'm getting ready to close. Uh, anybody familiar with the marshmallow test? Anybody familiar with the marshmallow test? A couple of people in here. 
All right. So the marshmallow test, look it up on YouTube. We'll, we'll probably post it on our Facebook or social media pages. There's a marshmallow test, and there's these kids that they bring into this room, and they put this marshmallow in front of them. And they tell the kids, look, here's a marshmallow, and if you don't eat the marshmallow, before I come back, when I come back, I'll give you two. So just leave the marshmallow there and just watch it. Don't, don't touch it. You know, you can touch it, but you can't eat it. You can do all kinds of stuff to it. Just don't eat the marshmallow. So the lady walks out. They have a bunch of series of kids come in, and some of them look at the marshmallow like this. Some of them get real smell it. They, like, smell the marshmallow. Some of them smash the marshmallow. Some of them throw it up and down. Some of them roll it. Some spin around in the chair and don't look at it. They're just look, Some start nibbling little bites off the marshmallow as if the lady can't see that they nibbled off a little bit of the marshmallow. A couple of them just don't touch it. They just kind of look at it, but they never bite the marshmallow. They never touch the marshmallow. They just look at the marshmallow. They, the, the marshmallow, they're smashing it. They're doing all kinds of stuff to the marshmallow. And the lady comes back and sees that a couple of the kids ate the marshmallow. And she says, oh, you ate the marshmallow. And they were like, yeah. And then the kids that didn't eat the marshmallow, the marshmallow was smashed. It looks all kinds of crazy, but they never ate the marshmallow. She gives them two. Well, they followed the study a couple years later, about 15 years later, and they found out that the people that had the discipline not to eat the marshmallow did much better in life. They were more successful in life. They had higher SAT scores. They did a whole lot more. They did life better on a higher level because they were able to control their desires. Ma'am, sir, you have the ability to control your desires. One of the major differences between us and the people in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit used to come on them. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us which means that things that would have to come on them to help them not do crazy things is with us all the time. One of the thoughts is that when you heard or saw the phrase that the Spirit of the Lord moved on Samson, that it was always a kind of pull his coattail, kind of get his attention like, hey, bro, don't go that way. Because every time he did it, he was like he needed help. He was doing something crazy. The, the thought is that the Holy Spirit jumped on him to keep him from sinning, to keep him from, from negating his vow. That voice you hear in your head telling you don't do that don't do this is the same voice that Samson heard and my question to you today is are you listening not did you hear him are you listening not did you hear him are you listening ma'am sir we are in the eighth month this is we're going towards the back end of the year and there are some assignments that God has given you that he expects to get completed. And the reality is that you won't be able to complete them if you keep doing what's right in your sight. You won't be able to get there. The world seems like it is falling apart. It's like, man, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's like, God, where are you at? Are you, like, where are you? Like, where, where is God in this? All these crazy things keep happening. And, and it feels like we're digressing. Like, there, there, there's, like, God, where are you? Anybody felt that way? Like, God, where are you? All of these, these, these mass shootings, where are you in all of this? Where are you? Where, where are you at? Where, where are you? The reality is, is that he's where he's always been. 
It has to get this bad. It has, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. But the reality is that he's raised up a people. He's raised up a generation. He's raised up a church that has the ability to shift the tide. But we won't be able to shift the tide if we keep going to get our honey the same place they get their honey. We won't be able to shift anything if we get, keep getting delight and pleasure from the same places that we, that the world gets its pleasure and delight from. Places of destruction that will kill you. Man, I'm sorry, it's gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse. But the reality is that we can help it get better. Samson ends up dying with all of those Philistines. Ends up dying for a lack of discipline. Man, I'm sorry, you've got to break the cycle. You've got to watch where you find delight and enjoyment, what you get pleasure out of. Stop feeding the thing you want to kill. Stop feeding it. Because if you don't, eventually it will get you. It'll get you. I'm so grateful to God. I'm so grateful because he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to put us in a position to now have the Holy Spirit indwelling on the inside of us. And ma'am, sir, if you found yourself in a story, the reality is that if you lost your hair, it's going to grow back. <laughs> It'll come back. Might not look like it did before, but it will come back. Might take a little longer to grow back, but it will come back. And God will get the glory out of your life. My question today is, are you going to do it the hard way or the easier way? Let's stand. Gracious and all wise God, we thank you for your will and your way. Lord, thank you for being reminded 